It's Vancouver's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. I'm Angela Fay, hub builder and co-host of British Columbia's podcasts, part of the Canada's Podcast Network, your source for great insights from entrepreneurs from across Canada. We talk to entrepreneurs who are making it happen here so you can listen, discover, and engage. This is Mel. Mel, do you want to say hi? Hello, everybody. Shield Maiden is a one-woman play, and you are the creator and artist and writer. Tell me, tell me about your sadistic side in Shield Maiden. Well, I mean, I think it's easy to joke and take her there, but I think what it's really all about is feminine power. And um, Shield Maiden is a one-woman show written in the format of a TED Talk. So my character, Ingrid Lars' daughter, is a 10th century Viking. And so the audience goes back in time and is in a longhouse when Ingrid decides she needs to recruit more warriors. So what you see is a a woman who's a leader. She's a career soldier. She kills people and and goes on raids for a living. Um, She's fully in charge of herself. And... I think when we aren't used to seeing women that unbroken by patriarchy, we throw all kinds of labels on her because it brings up so much in ourselves, including sadistic. She's actually not a sadist, but because she's so powerful and because she uses weapons, (laughs) you know, and and because she has a, a violent dark side, right? We take, we, we label it as something else. Now, I've had the privilege, of course, of being in your audience. I was at the first show, and I can't express the power of, you know, it was a full house. I was also sitting next to a friend who was there with her mother. You know, it's a play with profanities, and like you said, weapons, and and sexual innuendo, and war, and, you know, you paint a very vivid picture of brutal incarceration and and killing and stuff because it's how people fought in warrior days right in viking days and there wasn't a person in the audience that wasn't deeply moved i have the privilege of knowing the underlying message i have norwegian blood we share you and i've been in many many situations together where you know we've raged we've we've danced we've been totally ourselves we've you know been in those moments of total vulnerability and joy and and crying and to me the play is so much more than what mel even i know that you and i know that it's so much more than that what is the message that you would love to tell every woman right now or man that is listening about why the world is broken right now and what we should be listening to buckle up kids Okay, so the message this week, so you're asking me this question this week, so you get this week's answer. This week's answer is that patriarchy doesn't work anymore. Patriarchy is a system. It is not about hatred of men uh, at all. It is about, like when I say break patriarchy, I'm not saying break men, I'm not saying men are evil. Men are victims of patriarchy too, but patriarchy is set up to protect men in power. And that is a problem. And uh, it's been a problem for centuries. 
when my character existed in the 10th century, um, Christianity was just starting to spread. And that's when patriarchy was starting to rise into prominence. And until then, paganism, goddess worship, these were the ways that people thought about their relationship to one another, their relationship to nature, things they couldn't understand. They incorporated women into their theology or their their spiritual systems. It's not to say that um, it was like great for women, but at least in that time, there was more equality. And then Christianity spread and, and patriarchy spread, and you just haven't seen women in power truly worldwide since. But you know, we we have these moments, but but there's so few and far between. Um, and they don't, they don't last, <laughs> you know. So this week's message uh, from the play is address patriarchy. Uh, women of privilege need to find their, their feminine strength, their feminine power, uh, and practice not giving it away, turning it over so quickly, so that as we rise in prominence, then we help women who don't have privilege. We change laws, we change social systems to protect everybody, but it won't happen until women of privilege step up. So I feel compelled to dissect the word privilege a little bit. And I'll, my story in sitting at a dinner table with Bruce and my parents, I was feeling kind of teary-eyed, you know, and my, and my, Parents were, you know, they're, they're, I love my parents. They're so great. They're so full of passion and energy. And we're all alpha sitting at the table. And I'm always the, I'm the quiet one in amongst my family, (laughs) believe it or not. And where they're sitting there. And I remember feeling the need to say to them, I come from a privileged family. And do you know what? My, my mom jumped in. She says, Oh, no, no, no. You know, I, I, no, no, we didn't give you enough. We didn't do enough trips. We, we, you know, and, and I just remember doing a stopgap and my dad didn't even understand my comment. I could just see it was like a glazed over. I have no idea what she's talking about. Like, you know, my daughter's an idiot right now. I could just feel it in the moment. And I can't explain privilege. You know, we live meager or simple lifestyles, right? You and I. We have this mindset and we know that we live in a place of abundance and we have abundance within us. And like that's something that we know, you and I, share. So when we say privilege, I would define it as we're aligned and we have all of our basic needs met. And so we have more to give, right? So there's, there's a voice or energy that we can give to the world. That's where I, that's how I would define privilege. Can you add to that, Mel? I think the number one thing I would say as a woman, being a privileged woman means that I'm a safe woman. I do not live in a violent home. Uh, I live in a community and a country that is more safe than others, not necessarily for women across the country and certainly not indigenous women or women of color. But I would define privilege, firstly, as safe. And so safe from physical harm, safe from hunger, uh, safe from homelessness. That's how I would define privilege right now. 
So we're feeling privileged. We have something that we would like to share with the world, perhaps the pause and reflect. Tell me about the experience that you've had since the start of COVID. What, what has happened for you as a powerful, privileged woman entrepreneur? That's an interesting question. Physically, we've been busy on the property. So there's been a lot of turning our energy inward to the home and the property. So my husband and I, in addition to both of us being artists um, on our, in our own right, we co-own a company and we work here from home. And so because there's no business coming into the company, we have time to chop firewood and um, finish building projects and move lots of heavy things many, many, many times over. So it's been a lot of manual labor. I, I mean, that's the first thought that comes to my mind since this has started. So a lot of focused energy on the home, which has been lovely. And my husband and my daughter and I have been doing this work together. That's been nice. As a business owner, frickin' scary. We rely on the restaurant and hospitality industry Mm -hmm. for our product. And it's a very niche product. And those are mostly our clients. And that's an industry that's really struggling and no one really knows how they're going to come out the other end and what sort of new format their reality will look at. So our reality hinges on there. So there's a lot of question marks there as as a business owner. As an artist, I've sort of moved through a few different phases in this last month or so. I felt initially like I needed to write my second play right away and I started working on it and then lost focus. So I come in and out of focus with that. Uh, With regards to Shield Maiden, I don't even know what theater is going to look like coming out the other end. So I, you know, I don't know when I'll step into that role again. Yeah, I I guess I'm in the same boat as many other people with just a lot of question marks right now. Having just watched Outlander, the whole entire series, If only Shield Maiden was already on Netflix. That's all I can say is I just think, you know, it would be like this bonding experience of all Canadian women. Share the story of why she became a warrior. I'm not going to share all of that because that's a big giveaway. But what I will say is um, my character, Ingrid, is deeply motivated by trauma. Uh, trauma in her own personal life. So she's incredible. She's, she's, she's very uh, motivated by her trauma. And she tries to move herself through the world separately from her trauma, but she really can't. She's very encased in the terrible things that happened to her in her life. And, and you, you watch her struggle with that. Some of, some of her struggle, you know, she uses humor to move through some of it overt sexuality, some of it just brute force. We've done this in the pub together when we're just looking at each other and I'm like, okay, tell me what Ingrid is feeling right now, blah. You know, we're screaming at each other and of course we're acting. You were screaming. I was just standing there letting you have your moment. But it was because you were like, I could see you were like struggling with um, in the moment, this is my perception, is you were struggling, you're going, oh, there's, there's a struggle here. I'm like, wait a minute. 
wait a minute, that's not a struggle for you, Mel. It shouldn't be. I said, embrace your Ingrid. And you're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, what do you mean? What do I mean? Let me, let me show you yourself again, right? Which is, you know, Stephanie and I, we had you by the throat. And I was just like, you know what it is. It's inside you. Rah, just looking at blah, 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 right? And in this moment, and the whole pub, which is everybody around us just like thought, thought we were fighting. The reality is we were just letting go of fears and worries and insecurities and going, stop, you have it in you. Right. And so that's the place that people in privilege can work to get to. What stops us from living our fullest life? And how do we help others on that journey as well? And it takes a hell of a lot of work to face that with honesty. And I will tell you this right now, I have not enjoyed the process of finding my own inner Ingrid. It has been some of the hardest work I can ever remember doing as a human. You know, when you say to someone, find your inner warrior, <laughs> like the words are easy to say. The words are like, yeah, the words are super empowering. Find your inner warrior. Ground down into that goddess energy. Find your inner warrior. Well, the, the language around that is clear and simple, but the act of doing that, the act of sifting through your own trauma, um, sifting through your own patterns, it's Let, really hard work. Letting go of dot, dot, dot. Letting go, yeah. And on the other side, it's absolutely the most rewarding process as well. It's the hardest work I've ever done. And it's also the most rewarding process. I'm learning so much about myself and I, I keep finding something and then I go, oh, what's behind that? And so I'll sit down a little bit deeper. So instead of being fearful, like I used to be, now what I am finding is more curiosity. There might be something magical in that sentiment, which is curiosity and openness. And, you know, and, and if you could compare, and we've had lots of conversations about masculine, feminine, patriarchy, matriarchy is right, is, um, you know, and, and curiosity and openness, which is one of my best friends, Ted talk yet to happen, but curiosity versus systems, right? And we just, we went back to what is the biggest problem is we've created these systems to maybe control what we don't know, as opposed to going, let's just allow what we don't know to happen. And also to be paying attention in the moment. So say you have a reaction to something. I mean, this could happen in the business world. It could happen in your personal world. It doesn't matter. You have a reaction to something. And instead of being a harsh critic, oh, it's a total failure there. No one's going to want to work with me again. I totally messed that up. I looked like a total, you know, newbie or whatever. Instead, wouldn't it be great if you said, oh, that's interesting. I wonder why I did that. Let me look yes. into that a little bit more. Or I wonder what, what triggered that response by me. You know, just that sense of curiosity instead of harsh judgment all the time. Systems are there because they work, uh, but then sometimes you, you forget to ask the questions of the system. Because, as you know, what happens when you go, oh, the system, we've evolved past the system as it was, 
And what happens when you stay curious and say, is there a better way to do it? And you go, yes, there is. There's work to be done there, right? To get to better. Well, this, this, this pandemic is an excellent example of all of that. What systems were in place when we sort of rolled into this? What's working? What's not? How can we do things better? Because it is going to happen again. So how do people approach that problem solving? Do, are they, do they come at it with curiosity and, and kind of excitement? Oh, this is really horrible and this really sucks. But if we do this differently, there could be a really incredible outcome. So, you know, curiosity breeds uh, excitement. Yes. Excitement breeds innovation. You know, and that's, that's true in all things. Relationship, work, creativity. Curiosity is, is super powerful in changing things. And I'll add, you know, that the curiosity and innovation is one side of the teeter-totter and the other side is that safety. And being able to balance, uh, my girlfriend yesterday was like, you know, it's the dance, the con or Julian said to me, the constant dance between right. those two things, right? Is, yeah. is it a time to listen or is it a time to speak? Is it a time for innovation and new ideas or is it a time to just harbor, say, you know, have a safe harbor? And I think if nothing else, you know, that is a, such an incredible takeaway. And I, you know, that's this week's message from Mel. <laughs> that's this moment. Ask me in five minutes. It could be something completely <laughs> different. Just for fun. I mean, I know the Shield Maiden is, is your passion and like natural universal gift to the world. I know that, you know, and you have a functional transactional relationship. Talk to me about uh, your sign company. Um, so we have a business that we bought eight years ago uh, here on the island and it's called Chalk It Up Signs and I hand draw chalkboard signs. They mostly go to the U.S. Uh, they go, they've been around the world as well and Dave and I work on it together. So he does front-end customer relations, I do design and uh, artwork and then he gets it on the other end for framing and packing. We do it all from our home, which is amazing. And where is home? Gabriella Island. <laughs> Perched on the edge of nowhere is how it feels some days. <laughs> so it's just a small Gulf Island off of great big large Vancouver Island off of the west coast of Canada. And you're a Texan girl. Born and raised. How did you end up on Gabriella Island? Uh, well, I, I met and fell in love with a Canadian a million years ago, and um, we came out here for a trip and knew that we would come back eventually, and, and so we did. How do you feel about where you live? Oh, I love where I live. I'm so grateful. Talk about privilege. I feel, I, I'm, I'm looking out my window, I'm looking at the bay, the wind is blowing in the fruit trees, so the blossoms are dancing, and like, I love where I live. It's a beautiful little community. It's pretty isolated. Like, we are, Dave and I kind of joke, Dave is my husband, we, we kind of joke that we're already sort of isolated. So, you know, we already kind of live a semi-isolated life. So there, were, there weren't a lot of steps that we had to transition to during this pandemic. So I feel very blessed. <laughs> 
so most of your business is American, which is or yes. global, right? Yeah. There's no local, very few locals that are actually buying chalk it up signs. Well, we have, yeah, we have some Canadian business and we work to increase it. But what we have found is that the Americans, they just shop online. They maybe are more willing to take the risk of buying a product sight unseen. You know, we're not exactly sure why, but I would say 90% of our business is American. So it's, it's significant. Just adding to the, yes, tourism, hospitality. So, you, you know, we've, we've all walked into pubs and restaurants where there's like, you know, the, the chalkboard sign at the entry that has messages and then behind the bars, the big menu, that's kind of what yeah, chalk it up signs, right? Absolutely. So we all know, we all can visualize what a chalk it up sign is. Uh, and ours is the prettiest and the best. <laughs> and we're one of the longest running companies the woman we bought it from had, had been doing it for 10 years. She taught me her technique and it's, it's really beautiful chalkboard art. I, and I say that with a lot of humility, um, but also a lot of pride. We're making good stuff. And being on a remote island has not been a barrier to you being able to do work globally. Not at all. Uh, the the biggest imposition is that FedEx charges extra fees to come here to pick stuff up. So we, once a week, we take our shipments into Nanaimo and drop everything off at the FedEx depot. So distribution is not an issue, but the reliance on tourism and hospitality, perhaps. It's incredibly passive. We don't advertise. So yes. all we all we have is... Uh, our longevity on the interweb. Our website has been on the internet for 18, 17 years, so it has power. So because it's such a niche thing, if you talk, chalk, um, type in to um, your search engine, chalkboard sign menu or whatever, chalkboard art, after Pinterest, after Michaels, <laughs> after Etsy, we come up first. And so Dave's job has been to pimp our website over the years and just keep it at the top of the heap, keep it relevant, because it's incredibly passive. We, we can't go out looking for, we've tried to go to like food expos in Vancouver, zero business. Why has that not translated to currency for you? I haven't got a clue. I mean, we haven't tried a we haven't tried an American food expo. Okay. Uh, Las Vegas has the biggest hospitality, you know, industry expo. We've talked about going down there, but at the same time, we also want to manage um, manage what we have here. We want to grow the business to a certain point, but we're not looking to blow the business up and have to like build in a, a warehouse and hire 10 yes. more artists. And we're not looking to become um, a massive manufacturing company. I have had to hire other artists to work with us when the load is too big. And that's super great because we can employ people here on the Island, but the demand for our product isn't, isn't big enough for it. So a food expo or a bigger expo, would it bring more business? I don't know. Do we want that much more business? I don't think so. 
because I still want to like get up on stages and Dave wants to play his guitar and we have a kid and you know, like it's, it's this work life. It's the dance, huh? It's the dance. So how big do we want it to be? Uh, you know, a friend of mine recently said, you know, the, there's magic in the freedom of, you know, when the children are young and then we get into these patriarchal systems and institutions and thinking. And then there's freedom again at the other end, right? There's freedom of the wisdom of the, of the elders. You know, we've been forced to stop and look at what is important and what's essential. And we have the privilege of time and space and a roof over our heads yeah. to be able to contemplate it. And I think the number one piece for me with Ingrid is when you are given the opportunity to let your rage out. When somebody creates the space for you to let the trauma surface and the rage out, and then it's there. Once it's there, it's like you just need to blow on it and it's gone. And so when we go back to essentials of chopping wood and, you know, growing food in our backyard, which we all are, you know, we all are going to be doing that, right? And the flowers in your front garden matter and yeah. you you know you stop and you smell the roses and you have a conversation with somebody as you're walking your dog those moments suddenly there's magic in the ordinary but it's only after you let the rage out and in ingrid's experiences otherwise you go to war with yourself and your perceived opponents and that's to me what shield maiden was about the the rage piece is, is a pretty pivotal piece out of that and that was super intentional some other things weren't as intentional and they kind of surprised me but the rage piece was very intentional the play was written right when the me too movement was starting at the same time this article came out about this discovery of this of this grave site in in sweden it was actually discovered like 150 years ago but they did DNA testing on it back in 2017 and found out that this gravesite that contained this, this warrior that they, you know, buried Legend. with all these legendary gravesite, actually it was, it's an archeological like top 10 kind of gravesite. Turns out the, the body in the gravesite was a woman and the uproar from the scientific community and the community, the world at large, the, this gravesite couldn't belong to a woman. At the exact same time that the Me Too movement was going on, I just thought, oh my God, it's like 200 years later and this woman still doesn't have a voice. I'm giving her a voice. All of the rage that was coming up from in the Me Too movement, like I was reading it all, right? Like all of these testimonials about all of these women coming up against such horrific experiences and then having it all just brushed aside by patriarchy. And I thought, it's just not enough to just read these words on my tiny little phone. It's not enough. Like, you need to see what that rage looks like when it gets a chance to come out. You need to, like, viscerally experience a woman's rage. And I thought, okay, well, I'll put it in the framework of this 10th century person because it's extrapolated far enough away from where we are right now. So even though it's true, it won't be as threatening. 
Yes. Turns out it was just as threatening to people, but that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. That's their issue to work on. But um, like the fact that she's a, a warrior and a leader and she like carries a sword and a shield and she owns her rage. She doesn't apologize for it once. Getting to, to work that out on stage. I have come in touch with a bit of my own rage. It's, you know, as a Southern woman, we're, we are trained from the beginning to be very polite, very accommodating, very generous, very soft and receptive and making it all very nice for you. And then all of a sudden I'm not making it nice. And that's an interesting place to be. As humans, we're always dealing with the dark the shadow side and the light side. And we always want to present the light side. I'm happy. I'm content. I'm fulfilled. I'm full of gratitude. I love you. <laughs> you know? But we are also equally full of the shadow, you know, the anger, the jealousy, the, the loneliness, the fear, the rage. And what I'm learning through talking with um, therapists and and other artists you know when you let the the light sort of shine in on the darker spaces into the shadow there's growth right so it's not about i don't think we we ever lose rage i don't think you'd get to say oh that feeling is rage and i'll never have it again see i just yelled i'll never be mad again rage be gone <laughs> we don't get to say that right it's still a natural human reaction. But what you get to do is you get to say, oh, I've already let light shine in on that, that shadowy, dark bit of myself rage. I recognize that as rage. How am I going to use that right now? Am I going to use it to cut somebody down? Um, because that's often where rage goes. We try to hurt somebody as much as uh, it's usually from fear, right? Fear and frustration, that's where rage comes out. And so are we trying to hurt somebody so that they feel as badly as we do? You know, how are we going to let that rage out? Rage is still useful. Like, we still have battles to fight. Women are not equal. <laughs> Women still don't earn the same amount that men do. Women are still subjected to so much. Women and children are subjected to so much violence in the home. So there's a lot to fight for, and rage is a great fuel. You just got to figure out how to let it be a slow-burning fuel instead of, like, quick ignite, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's a challenge. And someone like Ingrid knows how to use her rage. She's very familiar and in touch with her rage. It comes out, and she goes, yeah, there's that thing, because <laughs> she needs it. She can't, like go on a raid and like whip her sword out and prepare to kill someone if she's not in touch with that driving power with that dark side mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. she's super in touch with it but she can like put it back in her back pocket and sit back and have a meet and flirt with somebody you know just as easily but that's because she's in touch with the rage so if we can learn how to just acknowledge these darker shadowy bits of ourselves I don't know. The world will be a better place. <laughs> you know, and I, I would love to put a magic wand in your hand. And just oh. for a minute, close your eyes and go, magic wand in Mel's hand. What does the world look like for you in five years? I hope that in five years, 
the world has used this pandemic as a wake up call to think about um, the bottom line of human existence. Like right now, the bottom line is letting people fall and fail and starve and die. And like in five years, could there be a living wage for everyone? Could everyone have, could you rethink this so that when these pandemics, because there's no way that the governments can support people to stay at home anymore. Is there some way to, that the system can shift so that these pandemics don't economically crash the system, but people are more supported and leveled out through all the different strata of socioeconomic levels. That's a lot of big words. Help people. I hope in five (laughs) years they figure out how to help more people. And the only way, and what we know is the only way to be a better human and create the space for betterment of human is if if there's no trauma and your essentials are looked after. Yeah, do the fucking hard work, people. Like, turn inward, look at yourselves, do the hard work. Mel, I would love to see Shield Maiden on TV. That's what I would love to see. It should be in, like, every language possible. (laughs) Anyway, um, that's my, if I could wave a magic wand for you on your behalf, that's what I would like to see. Thank you, my friend. Is there a book or a resource or an inspirational quote? that you would love to share that has been fuel fodder for you? Uh, Find the music that speaks to you and dance your ass off in your living room. Um, (laughs) That's all I can really offer at this point is, (laughs) yeah, find find your own tune to dance to and then just give her. You're beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Angie. You're beautiful. I love you, my friend. Thank you for this time. Thanks for taking the time today to listen to British Columbia's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. We hope you enjoyed the show today. Make sure you sign up for our newsletters and write a review for us on iTunes. Connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or at canadaspodcast.com. You can check out what other entrepreneurs are doing across the country. I'm Angela Fay. See you next time.